0: let's talk about what I guess might be marijuana's cousin, and that would be hemp. Hemp, of course, grown for centuries in this country. Brendolyn King joins me right now of Salem Hemp Kings. Thanks for being with me, Brendolyn. Thanks for having me, Debbie. All right, the story of how I met you was in Keener Plaza for Winterfest. I just happened to be walking around looking at the vendors and I thought, Oh, look at this beautiful couple here. What are they doing? Oh, Salem Hemp Kings. Interesting. And then we just started talking about your quest to grow hemp in Missouri and you have, do have products available. So before we get too far, what do we still need hemp for?
2: Yes. Yes. And, and shout out to Winterfest, Keener Plaza. That was our first experience um, in, St. Louis. So that was a very special event to have met you. So when we think about industrial hemp, and so that's the term I'm going to use, I want us to think back to kind of World War II, you know, when we needed supply that could support materials for our war. We needed tarp, we needed rope, we needed different materials that had uh, strong production qualities. And hemp, we can also date back to all the way to our Constitution being written on hemp. Um, You know, things like sails of boats, even that the colonists used to come to America were made out of hemp. And so hemp has always been around in our society. And in the United States, uh, specifically, hemp took a different path where industrial hemp continued to be a leader in the market for those materials like rope and tarp and textiles And unfortunately in the United States, hemp industrial hemp got caught up with uh, medicinal and, well, I guess not just medicinal, but marijuana, which is the psychoactive component of the plant. And so one thing I always try to remind people of is I I think of it in three categories. I think of hemp as the cannabis sativa plant, and one side of it has these psychoactive qualities, just like the poppies and poppy seeds do. If you use a different version, you get a drug. If you use... A lighter version, you're eating a muffin. <laughs> and on the left side, I think of hemp as CBD, which a lot more people are familiar with, that medicinal hemp. And then I'd like us to start expanding that conversation to include industrial hemp as well, which grows differently than uh, CBD hemp, but has
0: very similar structures. And so you are the Salem Hemp Kings because you and your partner, Osai Doyle started this project in Salem, Illinois, but have since moved to Missouri and you're working to start a hemp farm here. When did it become legal in Missouri to grow hemp? Because I know that was an issue that farmers have been fighting for decades.
2: Yes. 2018, uh, former President Trump signed the farm bill. Um, Now, before that, I will kind of give a nod to Lincoln University, who's a research institution here in agriculture. And they um, received kind of the early research grants to be able to see what type of strain of hemp can be grown in Missouri. Many people don't know this, but industrial hemp in Missouri... Um, we were the second produce, second largest producer of hemp b- behind Kentucky in the history of hemp in the United States. So Missouri, really, if we think about markets that had the bottoms completely fall through, Missouri took a big hit because we had the highest production.
0: When we talk about the marijuana industry, particularly the medicinal and recreational marijuana, there's been a lot of talk about how um, black Americans have kind of been shut out. Some states are taking uh, measures to make sure that the process of handing those licenses out is a little more uh, fair. What is it like for hemp growers? Yeah. is that a, a diverse diverse group of farmers?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been doing my best to ensure that we get on air. We're looking for people of color who are growing hemp. We're looking to create those networks. Um, there are a couple Facebook groups I've been kind of poking around looking for Missouri black Missouri hemp farmers. I haven't found any that owned land. I think there are hemp producers that have licenses to grow hemp that may not be producing hemp. But if I were to step take one step back, you know, hemp is an easier industry to enter into.
0: I love that in this process of putting your getting your farm in Lake Placid, Missouri ready to to grow, um, that you're also turning it into an educational project as well.
2: Yeah. Education is really important to me. Being from St. Louis and from a family of teachers, everyone in my family is a teacher and something I really tried to avoid. um, But, (laughs) you know, I was reared really well, went to Metro High School, graduated, went to Fordham University in New York. And my first job was a school office manager. And so I am so in tune to the operations of learning and what it takes to create an environment of learning. And I couldn't see my life without that. And so coming back to St. Louis, I think what stood out to me was uh, during the pandemic, honestly, seeing a lot of kids on the streets kind of with nothing to do, like kind of playing in the streets when you would assume that at-home learning was happening, but it didn't really translate that well into all the communities here. And me thinking about what could kids do with their hands that they would be fun, that they could learn about. And um, we're really trying to create and educational opportunities around him, just because it's a diverse plant with over 25,000 uses.
0: Wow. And, you know, just getting kids an excuse to dig in the dirt. Yes. I think kids are getting so away from that oh being stuck inside all <laughs> yes. the time. Yes. I
2: think that's the other thing. It's like that brings, you know, agriculture, farming, nature, Um, And, you know, there's something about working with your body, kind of the neck down. There's so much like, you know, I don't want a nine to five from the kids of this generation. Well, jump in the hemp industry. There's tons to do kind of that whole body experience. You get that fulfillment from seeing the plant in the ground to seeing the product that you made.
0: All right. Salem Hemp Kings is the organization, the company. You can follow them, of course, on Instagram and learn a lot and the best website if people want to shop.
2: Yes, SalemHempKings.com. Click on shop and Um, You'll see our signature collection of merchandise that's out right now.
0: Brendalyn King of Salem Hemp Kings is joining me. And we've talked to Brendalyn in a previous episode about growing hemp. And they have a property, she and her partner Osai Doyle, in Lake Placid, Missouri, which they are preparing for their first hemp crop here. But Brendalyn, another really fascinating part of this, aside from a girl from St. Louis (laughs) who lived in Brooklyn now, you know, embarking upon being a hemp farmer is that the land that you purchased in Lake Placid was the home of a resort and you're learning all kinds of interesting things. And it's just a fascinating piece of Missouri history. Yes.
2: I went to the number one high school in the state, Metro high school. And for me to come back to St. Louis after being away for nearly 20 years and learn a piece of Missouri history, that was not taught in any of my educational path here um, is a bit shocking. And so it's my responsibility as I join this community um, to share more about it and the historical place it has in Missouri history.
0: So I'm looking at this book, Race and Meaning, the African-American Experience in Missouri, and there's a whole chapter, Lake Placid, a recreational center for colored people in the Missouri Ozarks. Yes. So what have you found out about Lake Placid so far? Yes. Well, thank you to Gary
2: Kramer and the Missouri Historical Society who published this book, And um, for those of you who are interested in learning a piece of Missouri history, I want you to know that in 1934, Dr. P.C. Turner, out of Kansas City, wanted a place for his nurses to go and relax after they finished school at uh, hospital number two in Kansas City, which was a black hospital. And uh, Dr. P.C. Turner really believed in the power of nature. He was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman. And so he would even drive to Lake Placid for some reprieve, some respite. And through a series of visits, um, hunting trips, he heard about the Bagnell Dam being built near the Lake of the Ozarks. And he knew that black people wouldn't be allowed at what they call the Big Lake, which is Lake of the Ozarks. And so he started looking for property where he could create an oasis for people of color to come and relax And he found a family that was running a Boy Scout camp and worked with that family to acquire uh, about 350 acres, I think originally was the plot.
0: When did it open and when did it close?
2: Yeah. So Lake Placid has always been alive. So it's still here. There are families who own cabins there. And, you know, if you think about what it takes to develop a resort You know, it starts with a big vision, and Dr. P.C. Turner had a vision of a golf course, a lake, um, recreational trails. And the story really is that he died too soon to realize all of the potential. And so in that pursuit of selling lots to his friends and other family members, it became kind of like as best as we could do it with the resources we had. And so everyone working together in the community And, you know, there has been a dormant period of Lake Placid, but if you talk to the owner, cabin owners who have active cabins, they go out every summer. They go to their cabins. But they're needing um, new owners like myself and a couple of others to really step up and take it to the next kind of modern day having cabins that can withstand winter, you know, winterizing and also opening it to the public so that we can start to show off some of this history that's there and provide recreation to what I believe is a disconnect that we have with with land in general. We need to be visiting it more. So that's part of our hope.
0: This will be your hemp farm, but also a continuation of the Lake Placid Resort?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to come into the community with this idea that we've been working on since I was on my couch in Brooklyn you know, to have a place to grow our hemp. And also we will be processing hemp there as well. And the benefit of the processing is that those materials we can use to rebuild the cabins at Lake Placid. So our um, niche, if you were to call it in industrial hemp is one of, hempcrete blocks we want to create kind of think of a cinder block but it's made out of hemp and so it can't be used for weight bearing so we'll need a foundation of concrete but there are enough lots at Lake Placid that we can come up with beautiful designs to actually preserve the history of Lake Placid through the physical construction of hemp cabins.
0: That is really fascinating. So I imagine it takes a lot of fundraising to get something like this done. You and Osai seem like a young couple. Yes. <laughs> perhaps not um, lottery winners. Or yes, anything.
2: yes. We depleted our savings to buy the property. It was really important for us for the family to have what everything we could offer to buy this part of Missouri history. And with that came some setbacks. And um, we have applied to some grants that you know we haven't won as of yet. And so. As we're continuing on our journey, we thought, well, people need to learn about a lot of different things in our project. We've got to first start with the differences between marijuana and hemp. We've got to start with the history of Lake Placid. We've got to include the community of Lake Placid. That's already there. And we have to start thinking about preserving this property. And so just with those four areas, we thought, why don't we come up with kind of a fundraiser festival virtually over an important weekend that would mean a lot to this property and we've chosen Juneteenth weekend 2022 and so what people can expect is if they go to www.reparationsproject40.fund they can learn about the history of Lake Placid and donate a small amount to receive a code to view our pre-recorded event So we're actually recording right now different parts of the segment, and everybody will be introduced to the four projects as well as our fundraising goals that weekend.
0: All right. So give that
2: website again. Yes. So it's www.reparationsproject40.fund, F-U-N-D. And, you know, I I will say a note about the term reparations as I've heard different kind of views of it, but... I, I just want people to kind of zone in on Lake Placid and what we believe they deserve. It was started in 1934. The owner saw it as like the Martha's Vineyard of Missouri, something that is high luxury. You know, really a place for serenity is the word that he kept using. And we believe that they deserve a form of reparations to have that built. So that's as far as we're going kind of with the term. We're not looking for government payback. We're not looking for different races to pay different things back. To We think just as Americans, as Missourians, this is a piece of Missouri history we should be fundraising for. They
0: deserve those reparations. All right. And that is coming Juneteenth weekend. Lynn King and her partner, Osai Doyle, are the Salem Hemp Kings. SalemHempKings.com if you'd like more information. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Debbie.